and welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. Before we start the podcast today, I'd like to take the time to dedicate this episode to a previous guest. In episode 36, I spoke to Pete Jones, who as well as playing bass in Kill City, also found the time to write Kids in the Riot, The High and Low with the Libertines. As well as this, he made a fantastic film about his footballing hero John Toshak. Sadly, on the 26th of May, Pete's beautiful wife Emma passed away far too soon. This episode is dedicated to Pete and Emma. Forever in my thoughts and always here if you need me. God bless. Right, welcome back to the podcast. This week's guest is Billy Bibby, who was lead, lead guitarist in Catfish and the Bottleman at the start. Um, before he left them, he now fronts Billy Bibby and the Rice Miles, and he's also played in Hague as well, amongst other things. We're going to delve into all of that, um, but before we... Before we do that, I'd just like to go back to the start and where he grew up, what life was like for a young Billy. Hi everyone. Yeah, um basically, uh yeah, my dad was my dad was from Bury. Um uh, my mum's from Stockport. Um so yeah, so around around that Man- Manchester area. Um they they met on the my, my dad was a driver for the, the National Express. Um and and then my mum worked on the National Express as well, and uh, and they met they met there and then yeah I came along and I was born in Accrington, in Lancashire, mm-hmm. yeah near, near Blackburn Accrington Stanley, right and <laughs> and um and yeah so I I spent the first eight years of my life in Accrington with my with my mum dad and my brother Stephen. Um and yeah, it was good. I mean, we didn't have any, you know, sort of issues growing up. We had they we were brought up well. Um and my dad had this uh, flower business. So he'd deliver he'd deliver flowers, he'd have like a transit van he'd, and he'd go out and deliver flowers to petrol stations. Right. Um so you know, before they had the big companies and that that would go and deliver the flowers that you know, when you get the, the flowers when you in the forecourt at the petrol station. Yeah. So we'd go and deliver them locally to about, you know, 30, 40 petrol stations or whatever every every day. Um and that was that was that was his business. Um so he he was he was kind of working hard at that. Um and yeah, I didn't obviously didn't see him that much because he was obviously working. He'd get up at four in the morning, five in the morning, and then he'd be off. And then he wouldn't get back until like six. So he was working all hours ch- trying to, you know, obviously put food on the table for us. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst my mum was was just looking after me and my brother. Um, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was good. It was good growing up in Lancashire. I, enjoy, I really enjoyed it as a kid. Um, and then... Uh, we we used to go on holidays to to London now, um, on the weekends. So we never we never really went abroad or anything like that mm-hmm. as kids until we were 
it wasn't till about seven where we, when we went to Mallorca, but before that we we went to to London no or or London now as the Welsh call it. Um, but yeah, so we'd do that on the weekend, and, and and for us as kids, you'd think it was you know you'd think you were going abroad because you'd see the sea, you'd see the sea as soon as you'd see the seaside, you'd be yeah. like you'd be going, you'd be getting excited, and um, and yeah, so we used to love we used to love going there in the summer holidays and stuff and in the Easter, Easter holidays. And then, um, and then one day uh, my mum and dad said, we're going to move to, we're going to move to London now. Um, so we were like, we were, we were buzzing because we thought, you know, obviously you just, you just have the good memories from the holidays and stuff like that. So you're like, right, well, we're going to live, by, <laughs> we're gonna live by the sea forever. <laughs> so it's amazing. It's amazing at eight, you know, eight years old, you think it's going to be amazing. But the the business was they they were they were buying a bed and breakfast on on the seafront, so mm-hmm. that that was what they wanted to do. He sold he sold the the business for that he was doing with the flower business, and then they had enough money to to um, buy a, a bed and breakfast on the seafront. So so they got that, and then again it was it wasn't like as you imagine it as a kid obviously it's not like a holiday again when you when you move there you miss your friends and stuff and all that and you've got to settle into a new school um and you obviously you, you, your parents are, are working because they're, they're running the business the hotel business so they're just like you know go and play go and play on the beach and then by the time you've played on the beach about 20 30 times it gets a bit boring after a bit so I mean, yeah. so many times you can throw stones in the sea, so it's like, <laughs> so it's one. It was one of them. It, the The novelty wore off quite quickly, and you realise that there's a lot of hard work, obviously, that goes into running a, a business like a hotel. Mm. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was good. Once we once we'd settled in, once we got some new friends and stuff, we 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 enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, so then that was the early part of life, and then. Um, I started, I picked up the guitar when I was 12. Um, so yeah, I think it was 12, yeah, about 12 years old. Was Uh, there any, um, other musical stuff going on in the family? Yeah, my, my dad, my dad was very musical. Um, he, he, um, he had a record player that he'd play all the time with Elvis. He was a massive, massive Elvis fan, huge Elvis fan, and that's kind of rubbed off on me. I think yeah. it, I think it does with a lot with a lot of people that they kind of a lot of them have when you're brought up with listening to your parents' music, it kind of rubs off on you, and and you you kind of you either like it or you loathe it. I think because you either heard it too much and then you yeah go on, you go on you go your own way and listen to your own thing, or you really sort of just just get inspired and. It feels almost like home when you listen to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, so... my dad was my dad was uh, the Beatles. I look at the sixties stuff mm-hmm. that I get into through my dad. Yeah. But another thing that he did, he was a sucker for like the novelty singles and that. See, so like yeah, uh, Mister Blobby and <laughs> um, the Emmerdale, the Woolpackers stuff like that. So yeah, he dropped the arse out of the hands and also it was mine yeah. was quite balanced as well. Some it was all right. Some it was some it was really good, and then you had all that stuff. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you you can't. There was a few bits and pieces here and there, but you know, I he was he was a big Beatles fan as well. So he played the Beatles, Elvis, all the sort of sixties Mersey beat bands. So the Searchers and yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the all those kind. Of, I used to love the searches as well, even though they were not many people probably would know who they are now at my yeah. age, my age anyway. Um, but I used to I used to love the searches and that and um, and Billy Billy Fury. I'm named after Billy Fury basically. So right. Um, and, and my middle name's Elvis's middle name. So, I mean, if my dad had his way, he probably would have called me Elvis, but my mum, my mum wasn't having it. So, <laughs> so um, we went with Billy, Billy Fury. But yeah, so he he just had all the records. You just constantly be listening to him. Um, and then my granddad was a carpenter, so the first guitar I ever had was was um, a replica of like Hank Marvin's right. red Stratocaster. His red Fender Stratocaster. So he he built one and then and then he didn't put strings on it. It was they were sort of like just just string. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just pretending to play. And that was the first sort of I've like got pictures of, of me first playing that and singing away. You still got that? I've still got it. I've still got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's literally just in the room over yeah, there. Yeah, it's um I put a picture of it on on social media a few years back um next to next to the guitar that i i recorded on the balcony the first catfish album so um mm-hmm. it just just like a, a reminder you know of, of where you sort of start and how it how it how things go from that to that do you know what i mean so um yeah that was the first that was the first guitar and i've still got it and then um and then yeah i started when i was when I was about 12, um, when we moved over, I, I started in school and I just remember, I remember being in the lessons with two of my best mates and they thought they were amazing playing these, these songs uh-huh. and they, they'd been learning for like two years and they were like, Oh, you'll never, you'll never be as good as us. You'll never be as good as us. Uh-huh. And within, within about a month, um, I was playing songs and singing and the guitar teacher was like, where have you learned that? And I was like, well, I've just practiced. You know what I mean? I've just because my best mates they wouldn't practice. They just go to they just go to lessons mm-hmm. like once a week for an hour a week, which is nothing really. You know what I mean? You've got if you want to play, you got practice. You know, every every minute of the day when you're that age. Yeah. Um, so that's what I as soon as I picked up a guitar, I, I was doing that, and within a few weeks, I was better than them. Um, and it was, you know, I don't profess to be a great guitarist now, but. I think it's just the amount of hours you put in is what you get out of it, isn't it? Really, so it's um, yeah, it's it's one of them, and that, and and I knew from then that that was going to be what I wanted to what I wanted to do. Um, so I, it was, I think you I, need I, to have I, the mindset, though, didn't you? Because uh, like yeah. obviously I've got pals that that play guitar to, to varying degrees of success. Obviously I've got pals and bands. I get pals that play pubs and stuff like that and yeah they're all really talented and again like you mentioned in guitar lessons i went to guitar lessons um about 10 years ago yeah. i went to i think i went to three lessons and i was going in and uh, there was a wee boy in before me like he was booked the hour before me so three three weeks in a row i was going and listening to him he was playing um he was playing like led zeppelin Mm. And like full songs, Led Zeppelin and all that. Yeah, and yeah. I was I was learning the first thirty seconds uh, the Libertines Tell the King. Yeah. And it was yeah. it was just like it was torture for me. And yeah. then seeing that sweet boy 
Yeah. Um, rip off Jimmy Page, and I thought I can't do that. I can't compete with that. I think you've either got it or you haven't. It. It's just, yeah, um, yeah, you have to a certain extent. I think it's yeah, it can be off putting to to other people when you get someone like that, and it comes just just start shredding, you know. And it's yeah, and um, I mean, I wasn't one of them really. I was, I, I've always been more of a sort of singer songwriter kind of guitarist. Do you know what I mean? Not not. I was more sort of, um, in a way, sort of forced to play the lead parts in, in the Catfish because we, you know, we'll we'll come we'll come on to it more as we talk about sort of starting Catfish. But that was, um, in the early days of Catfish, I was writing songs and Van was writing songs, and it was it was more like a Carl Barat sort of Pete Doherty okay. kind of kind of thing at, at, at the, in the first few years of existence of catfish mm -hmm. so it took quite it took quite um a different turn to to what we were do you know what i mean and um and what people recognize now as catfish do you know what i mean it was it was quite it was quite a different story back in at the start uh, yeah. musically and the way we the way we sort of went about writing but yeah so it was um it just yeah, just from a young age, I knew I knew it was going to be the thing that I wanted to do. Um, but I I did get into sport, and and I've always been a massive massive football fan. I I love all sports. Though. I love tennis. I love snooker. I love Formula One. I I love I love I just love sport. Mm -hmm. um, but but football um, was the was the main one. And for a few few years between sort of the age of thirteen and say seventeen, football. Was probably ahead of guitar yeah. and 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 music because at that age you don't really know how to sort of create a band. You know when you're sort of thirteen, fourteen, you're just kind of playing at home. And you know I, I had like a karaoke machine with two tape decks, and mm -hmm. uh, and I'd just press record on them and just record all, loads of covers and just pretend I was doing a concert for an, for like an hour. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so that. That was the early sort of start of recording. Once I was able to sing and play guitar at the same time, um, so in the hotel, in the hotel, going back to that to my mum and dad owning the bed and breakfast, the first gig I ever did was in the hotel. Right. Um, so I'd I'd get I'd put a little note through everyone's door saying there's a, there's going to be a concert at seven o'clock down in down in the lobby or the lounge or whatever. Um, and I'd set up my little my karaoke machine uh, <laughs> with my little Fender amp and my my Hank Marvin not not the old one a proper one like as well a Squire one uh -huh. Hank Marvin uh, Stratocaster um, and and I and I'd do a show for them for an hour you know what I mean and my mum and dad would be sat there watching and they'd be sort of loving it um, but uh, yeah, so that's how it started. That's how that's where the show started, and I knew like, from then that you know I could do it, and I and I was confident enough to play in front of people live. Yeah. So yeah, um, so that's where it started, and then it obviously, as you get older, that's when I got into football, um, and the and doing shows and things kind of wore off a bit, you know, and I I wasn't doing that. Um, as much I was just playing it, you know, in the bedroom or whatever, and and singing. But football for me, then when you're playing with your mates in school and that, you just kind of want to be a footballer. Then for for me, anyway. Yeah. So, I find that see the mighty bands that started through, um, yeah. 
meeting each other playing football or um, realising they weren't good enough to play football so they're yeah. forced to pick up the guitar. It's, it's a well-trodden path. It is, it is. I think a lot, I think a lot of bands, yeah, like you said, have done that um, and then they realise they're not good enough to play football yeah. um, at a professional level. I think I'm all right, but you know, I, I still, I still try and play now on a Saturday, um, and I won fan, fans player of the year. I'm just putting that out there <laughs> <laughs> last season. So I'll, I'll, yeah. So I'm still trying. I'm still, but I'm, no, I'm never going to make it. But um, yeah, but I think that is that is a road that a lot of people, a lot of you know, young lads do when they're into football and music at that age, from like I'd say 13 to 17, 18. Yeah, I think they're more into the football side of things because they don't really know what to do with with music at that age. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. kind of... The funny thing is, with as well, I mean, like a lot of the football sporty type people have got no interest in the music side. You get yeah. that quite a bit. Obviously, I spoke to James for Las Vegas. He he had he was a professional footballer. Yeah, um, yeah. and he was. We did a tour with it. We did a tour with them. Yeah, and he couldn't cut it. He couldn't cut yeah. it in the dressing room. He didn't. He couldn't yeah. get on with the banter in the dressing room, and nobody understood why he was bringing a guitar in and stuff like that. And he just he ended up he fell out of love with with football. Yeah, and he got into music pretty late, really. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was. It, yeah, I mean, we did a yeah, we did a podcast. Uh, no, not podcast. What I mean about we did a we did a tour <laughs> podcast. Yeah, <that's> <laughs> we did. A, we did a tour with Las Vegas about a year before I left Catfish, um, and it was amazing, brilliant, brilliant time with them. And um, and yeah, James and his was it his, was it his brother, his cousin, Rab. cousin, cousin, yeah, Rab, oh. Rab, yeah. And they had um, the girl drummer as well on at the time. Forgot her name. Yeah, I'm Caroline. I'm, I'm terrible. It, oh terrible no, names. is it Swedish lassie? The Swedish girl, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I can mind seeing them right at the start. They had a female drummer right at the start as well. Yeah. Um, um is it Jonah or something like that? I can't yeah, that's that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they because we obviously thought we were decent at football, so we kind of have a kick about, you know, before the gig and stuff outside in in the car park. Mm-hmm. And um you could tell you could tell he's a bit of a player, like you know, he can he he could play. Mm-hmm. Um because we always fancied ourselves, you know, like against against any band and against any bands, and we'd be like, right, we'll we'll get on the soccer sixes and all that, and we'll smash everyone. But he was he was a decent player, James. Yeah, that would be a good pairing as well. Um, I'm pretty sure James is a big Elvis fan as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that must have been nice for these two. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever spoke about that. It was a great. Yeah, it was. It was a great pairing. Uh, to go out on tour because we just signed as well to communion records at the time. So we were kind of just sort of making, you know, headway with pulling more fans in around and then just doing a tour with them. You kind of just, it's that next level of, of learning the ropes and learning how to be a professional touring band. And they taught us a lot and we were kind of watching side stage what they would do and how they'd sort of set up and sort of conduct themselves and they, we learnt a hell of a lot off them. We learnt a hell of a. I mean, I didn't when we when we went on about to go on tour with them. I was like, I wasn't a fan. 
I wasn't a massive fan. And then as soon as we got on, as soon as we got on, and this they sound checked the first day we played with them, I was like, geez, it's just like a wall of sound. It's it's yeah, but a wall of sound that's not like Oasis. It's kind of, you know, the drums are just they're just banging. You know, they're just constant beautiful beat going through. But she stood up as well while she's playing, and mm -hmm. then Rab's guitar is just like you know in your face. Yeah, just got a great voice. It was just amazing. I was kind of the same though when I first yeah. seen them. It, it took me a while to get into them. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the view. Mm. Um, so obviously, Las Vegas are totally different for the view. I always seen it that way as well. Um, Pete Doherty kind of picked the view, and Carol Barat picked Las Vegas, and they both championed these different bands. I thought it was kind of yeah. another. Another part of the Libertines rivalry, yeah, kind of playing yeah. it like that, yeah. Um, obviously, touching back to them, um, at school and the football and all that. So, is that when you met the rest of the band? Uh, yeah, yeah. The Ben, the bass player, was in my year in school, and he and he was on my team in in football and through lessons and stuff like that. So we we were close. We knew each other since year seven start secondary school um van was two years below and he was in my brother's year in school so he was he was young as well for his year he was born in august so he was like three three years younger than me pretty much um and he he was like billy can you teach me how to play guitar like you you know you great on guitar and same with ben as well ben at the time was trying to he was a massive like metallica fan and and he liked Arctic, he liked all sorts. Like he was a massive Radiohead and Metallica fan, but he was just said, "Can you teach me?" So I was, I was basically teaching a bit, a bit of both, and then saying, "Because then YouTube was started taking off," and I was like, "Use YouTube as well, do you know what I mean? That'll, that'll, that'll sort you out." Um, so I was teaching him the basics, and then uh, Van picked it up really quickly. To be fair, really, really, really quick, and he because he was as, as enthusiastic as I was when I first started. You know, and, and then you could see it. You could see he had it in him to, you know, take it far. Uh, he he had. I, I don't think he was diagnosed with like ADHD, but he was um, full on. <laughs> he was all. He was always. He wasn't. He wasn't like a naughty kid, but I think because he just had so much energy, he was. He was constantly, um, you know, just getting into trouble and and just pecking teachers' heads and, you know, he, he was best mates with, with my brother um, and they would just sort of, you know, mess about and piss about in school mm. and they weren't, they were just kind of going through the motions. They weren't, they weren't, they were looking for something else that was, you know, a bit more exciting than, than just going through and doing your exams and all that, you know. Yeah. So it was, for him, he was, as soon as he saw a guitar, I think that was it, you know, and he, and he was, a, he very, he's a very good footballer as well as man. Ben again, another good footballer. But um, it was that it once we got to seventeen and we were in sixth form. That was it. Then we were like, right, we're starting a band, and football just bat it just gone. You know what I mean? We just stopped playing completely. I didn't play for about well since I didn't play the football then until I left Catfish about eight years later. So it was as soon as sixth form, we were all in sixth form, or well, right, right, Van was in. Uh, year ten, at the time, that was it. We just just music from then on, um, 
and we we started a band. We got John Barr in as well. He he wasn't into football, but he was in mine and Ben's year in school, and he was he was a solid drummer, very very solid drummer. Um, so we were like, do you want to be in the band? Uh, he didn't really look the part in terms of like us three at the time. Um, he was a little bit more. I mean, I say now he, I'm wearing a vest now, but he'd wear vests like all all year round. <laughs> I'm, wearing, I'm wearing one because it's hot, but yeah, he's, he's one of them. He'd wear it all year round just to sort of show. He get he was getting tattoos at a young age, and he just wanted to sort of show his tattoos and his arms off. And he he just he just wasn't he wasn't really on our level. Great lad, you know. I still sort of still bump into him now when I'm walking around town or whatever. But he just didn't fit the the band, but. For the time, we were like, he's a solid drummer. So we got him in. Um, and that's when it started. And we fit off. We were like, first name that we came up with was the, was the Prestige. Mm-hmm. So I think the film had just come out at the time, the Prestige. Um, right. So we, we were like, right, let's call our, our band name the Prestige. So it went from there. And I think for about a year, we had that name or two. Um, and we were, we were traveling in. Van's uh Renault Ren Van's dad's Renault Renault Kangu. He'd he'd get us all in the back with all the gear. Totally illegal. <laughs> no seats. We'd just literally crammed up with all the gear in the back. And um and he'd take us off to Manchester and Liverpool and you know, places like that and Chester and Birmingham or what have you. And we just we just go and just go and do it for free, do gigs for free, support whatever bands were local there. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah, we just at that time we just kind of like happy go lucky lads. Just didn't really care as long as we were playing gigs, you know. And then fell out of school. Um, terrible sort of grades, and um, and just that was it. We just knew we, we that was what we wanted to do. Um, and there was a lot of bands that, at the time that were local that were kind of like rival bands, but you just kind of knew that we were, even at that stage, even though we were doing covers, we only did covers for about six months a year. And then we were like, right, we need to write our own stuff. Whereas other bands weren't, they weren't as, you know, they just, they just weren't as progressive as us. You know what I mean? We were like, bang, 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 right. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to, we need to go out and play in Manchester. We need to go out and play in Liverpool. And we didn't care how we did it. We just did it. Do you know what I mean? So were these rehearsing? Yeah, we had a little rehearsal. We had a little rehearsal space that we used to pay for. Um, and it, and it, the guy who owned it as well was a drummer in a band. And um, he, yeah, he, he, I think he knew as well. And he, he used to say, you guys have got something. Um, and he'd sort of be listening in before he'd come and sort of tell us to get out, you know, when our time's up. He'd, mm-hmm. he'd come out, he'd come lock lock the shutters and that, and he'd be like, "Can I've just been listening to you guys, and I can't believe you're only 15. Well, right, Van, Van was 15, I was 17 or whatever, and he was like, I can't believe how good you are for your age. So you kind of you kind of knew there was a bit of a spark there, but at the, at the time, you, you're just going, you're still going through the motions of just enjoying it and writing songs and having a laugh with, with, with your bandmates and, and best friends. Um, and it, and you don't really think about anything at that point, you know. You don't you don't really think about labels and all that until you're a few years kind of down the line where you started doing it for a few years, and you're like, 
right, we need to, <laughs> something needs to happen now, do you know what I mean? Because we were like, it took us, I think it was, I think it was seven years from the start to when we got signed to the first label. So it's not a long, it's not a long time really in, in, in hindsight, but when you're doing it, it feels like a long time. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Whenever, whenever, when all your mates are getting good jobs and, and going through uni and starting to earn some good money and we're, we're all on the dole. Um, and just any sort of money we can get, we will sort of do it. You know what I mean? Any sort of part-time work or whatever. I mean, well, that's as thing as well, because it costs you a lot of money as well. You A lot of the time, if you're playing gigs at that point, you're probably losing money as well if you're travelling and having to stay. Yeah. But yeah, you're doing that with one fan base, aren't you? So. Yeah. That's it. That's where it starts. You, 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 you're hemorrhaging money at the time because you're and you're relying on sort of parents to give you a bit of money here and there if they can. Um, even though we didn't, we didn't, we didn't rely on them, but it was. Uh, I mean, Van's Van's mum and dad were quite well off. Say, uh, not not they weren't rich by any means, but they they would do they would put any any. I mean, they bought us a van um, to go and tour. They bought us Twisted Wheels, Twisted Wheels van. Do you remember Twisted Wheel? Yeah, Johnny Brown. Johnny Brown, yeah. So yeah. I'm obviously still good friends with Johnny. Um, but we bought we bought their tour van off them in 2011 or something like that. So for a few years, that as soon as we had that that van, um, we were like, right. I mean, even even though we were lucky enough for for Van's dad to buy it for us, we weren't the kind of people that would just be like. Right, well, you know, we've got a van, but what we're gonna do with it? We were like straight away, we're gonna gig every every fucking yeah. city, every fucking city around the UK with it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we and we we do we do tours for months on end. Um, and then that's when we were doing we were signing up for job seekers allowance. And uh and it was getting to the point where you know you have to go well. I don't know if you know whatever you have to go in for your meetings and say, oh, this they ask you what what have you done to search for a job this week, whatever. And it was getting to the point where we we're doing so many gigs that we couldn't even make we couldn't even attend the meetings. <laughs> so, they, so we were like, oh, I'm ill, I'm ill, I'm, you know, we're saying you're ill or making up excuses why you can't go and stuff like that. And you know, it was only fifty quid a week, but it was it was enough for us to get by because we didn't have bills. We you know we were living at home. There was no, there was no bills of mortgages and all that bollocks. So, yeah. you, just, you, you, fifty quid a week was was plenty for us. You know what I mean? We, 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 as long as we had enough to go get a bit of petrol, get some food, and go on tour, that was all. That was all we wanted. Um, so, yeah, I think that just the drive was there from the start with all of us. You know. Yeah, um, I think if you if you can all look around the room and look at each other and you know how much he's all wanted that that's when you you realize yeah yeah you know there's a spark yeah i mean yeah. The, the one the one person that i said earlier that wasn't kind of on the same level was the drummer now he he, he had a, he actually had a, a job um at the time and he saved quite a bit of money so to him money was more of an object to him you know it was more of a something that he he, he wanted to you know, he wanted nice things and th and that, and we we weren't we weren't bothered about nice things or you know 
we weren't sort of jealous of our mates. Mm. All we all we wanted was to just play music. Whereas John, the drummer at the time, he wanted to. He had a girlfriend as well and things like that, which sometimes get in the way. Um, and 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 that's when we got the new drummer in because, you know, he just said I can't I can't really commit to it anymore, and we got this new drummer in Bob Bob Hall who came in. Um, and he just blew us away from, from I mean, he, he he was younger than Van at the time. So he was only 16, I think, when he came into the band or 17, something like that. Um, you know, such a young, such a young age. He'd won, I think he'd won or come runner up in Young Drummer of the Year 2009, something like that. And uh, right. we watched, we watched this YouTube clip of him, of him doing his audition for Young Drummer of the Year. And I, I was just like, you know, I couldn't believe how, how good he was. So we we're like, right, get into the studio. Let's have a let's have a practice with him. He came in, he'd rehearsed all the songs beforehand. He played this one song. And halfway through the song, Van just went, stop, stop. So he st we stopped the song. I thought he was going to bollock Bob for something. I thought he was going to say, you've done this wrong, you've done that wrong. And he just went, you're in the band. <laughs> you know, he was just like, that is... With no disrespect to John Barr, because John was was a solid, solid drummer, but John yeah. uh, Bob was just an absolute animal at like 16, 17, whatever age he was at the time. He was only young. Absolute animal. He was just incredible. I, I, I never heard anything like it. I st to, still to this day, like he's still the best drummer that I've ever, ever seen live, ever played with. Just incredible. Um so he he got in the band like a flash, um, and then from then he had this he had the same attitude as us. He just want he just wanted to be on tour, um, and that's when you knew then the chemistry was was really sort of working between us as a band. Mm -hmm. um, did you at, at that point? Did you have management? We did, yeah, we did, we did, we we. The we bought it was from Twisted Wheel again. The the roadie from Twisted Wheel, Craig Vegas, he's called. Um, he was roadieing for Twisted Wheel, and we played in this little venue in Lee. Um, and Johnny Brown was doing an acoustic set, and um, my memory's a little bit hazy. So, Craig, Craig Vegas, who's actually manager manages us now with Haig, the band right. Haig now. So if he listens to this, he'd probably correct me. But um, it goes along the lines of something like he, he was roading for Johnny Brown and then we had the gig. We were supporting Johnny. We played the gig. And I, at the time, we, we when you're young, you think you're like fucking Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher. And you the sound wasn't right. So I was having a go at the sound engineer. I was saying, fucking hell, turn this up or turn that down or whatever. You know the the monitors are shit. Basically, I was I was I was just swearing at him over the mic. And um, after the gig, Craig Vegas came over and he went, "Your band's great. Your band sound great, but you can't talk to the sound engineer like that. The sound engineer is your best friend because if if you get on his bad side, he can make yeah. you sound shit. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? So." You learn lessons, obviously, at that age. You, 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 and, but you see people like Liam Gallagher and, you know, all these people that have got a bit of swagger about them and rock and roll. And you think, and Pete Doherty and all them, and you think, oh, I want to I act like that. I want to be, I want you know, I want to be that kind of person. 
and and act like I don't give a shit and act like I can, you yeah. know. And you realise, like, straight away, as soon as someone puts you in your place like that, you're like, you know, that's not me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. personally but it is what it is and and 
at the end of the day, the music really kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, because see, see, see the minute I bought, see the minute I listened to the album, yeah, I felt so bad. I thought I've wasted like <laughs> wasted the last year, everybody raving about this band, and I was just batting it off. No, I'm not listening. I'm not interested. And then these were amazing. Yeah, and I thought, what have I done the last yeah. year? Yeah, it's one of the, yeah. It's I think it must. It won't just be you as well. It'd be a lot of people that have done that, and it's that that in itself makes me think that it's the, it was the wrong name. But mm. because you could have, you could have, for me, you could have any name. It could still be the Prestige, and we were still the music was still going to be there. Yeah, the music was still going to do what it was going to do. Um. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, I still I still don't like it. But it's and it was one of them when you when you're in a loud music venue. And you and you're partying after a gig or whatever, and then someone comes over and goes, "Oh, what, what was your band called again?" And you you're trying to shout "Catfish in the Bottle Men" over the yeah. DJ. It's like that was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so li- little little things like that, but yeah, it 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 takes the shape and form of the band, doesn't it, and the music. So it kind of it all mingles into one at one point, but it's. Uh, that's that's how it came about, basically. Yeah. Um, we yeah. got there in the end. Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned you were teaching Ben and, and Van the guitar yeah. at the start. Um, you said that Van was pretty good as well. What was the process, the writing style? How did, how did that come about? How did the band work around that? Uh, the writing... The writing yeah it was basically we'd just come out we'd we'd write at home so we'd we'd write songs at home um so so van would write a song at home and and i would be writing a song at home um and we'd end up like i said at the start was a bit like pete doherty and carburat where we'd be a bit of a co so i'd sing one song and then he'd sing another Mm -hmm. you know and then we'd sometimes we'd sing a verse and i'd sing a chorus and vice versa um but we'd write the songs at home on the guitar, we wouldn't really, we wouldn't really come in and jam like Chili Peppers or whatever. We weren't that, we weren't that kind of songwriting band. Um, we'd we'd bring a song in, pretty much, pretty much finished on on acoustic guitar, and then they'd be like, right, you you play lead guitar on that, you play lead guitar on my tune or whatever. And then it then it sort of formed where Van would write a lot. Van was just writing song after song after song. I think he was doing it. I think he was doing it on purpose because <laughs> he wanted to be the, the lead singer. So he he every practice he'd re- be reading them in, reading reading the songs in, and he'd be like, right, we're doing this one, we're doing that one, and I couldn't keep up in the end. So it kind of just fell more and more where I the songs that I would be lead singer on would become less and less and less and less until the point where I just went right, I'll I'll be lead guitarist, and you be lead singer, and mm-hmm. let's just let's just let's just go with that. So yeah, obviously, like listening to the. The, the balcony and even to a certain extent the ride. Um a lot of the a lot of the songs kinda they've got the same kind of structure. Like yeah. the, the verses and the chorus, like yeah. you maybe repeat the same line twice. Yeah. Each verse. Was that was, was that your writing style or was that Vans obviously if if no. Vans coming to the floor? No, we we well, before we got signed to a record label we we were writing some really weird structures of songs so we we would write 
we we were a bit like Muse actually, like early Muse kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't mean sound wise. And then we'd write a bridge and a chorus, but then we'd do a completely different second verse, a completely different bridge. I don't mean just different lyrics, like different songs, uh, different uh, musical structure and everything. We just, we change it up. It was a bit like a roller coaster. It was a bit like Bohemian Rhapsody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Every, every song, every song was like that. Um, and I, I think, I think a few of them songs have been leaked on YouTube, which you can go and listen to. Um, I mean, I don't want to get involved with that. <laughs> because obviously, because <laughs> obviously I don't, I mean, catfish up, catfish the bottom and own them songs, but and I have, and I'm just saying now I haven't, I haven't leaked them on YouTube, <laughs> but they're on, they're on, they're on there. So if you if you do type them in and, and and put early demos in or whatever, some some stuff will come up about what we used to do, and you'll get an idea of what how we used to write songs. And I used to, I used to love that because it was like, who gives a shit about the the normal structure of a, of what a single should sound like? It was, it was just like we'd go from one thing to the next, to the, and it just every song would be like that um and then when we play when we got signed to communion records in 2013 uh kev who was who was managing the label he said um you need to structure your songs in a more sort of single fashion right you know uh like like the beatles like like any band that's had that's had massive singles in mm -hmm. history they they all they all kind of structure in the same way with a verse bridge chorus verse bridge chorus you know ending or whatever so van being van kind of took that as you know that this is it religious that you know right. and 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 it, and it's it stemmed from it stemmed from that basically and that's why every song has gone that way since I think is it is MDL ever said that to you? Is huh? MDL ever said that? Like mentioned that because it's um, no you you get you get um you get criticism sometimes or you see you see um comments on on social media sometimes saying every song sounds the same and stuff like that and I don't think it's the same thing as saying every structure is the same because I I don't think yeah, every, no, I don't no think every, I'm I don't a big fan of the, the yeah. two albums. And I, I think it's kind of similar, like, see, like, the no, no in terms of style, but like the Cooks. Yeah. Like the Cooks' first yeah. album, you could have brought it 10 of the songs as singles. Yeah. And it's pretty much the same with the, the, the first two Catfish albums. You could you could bring any song as yeah. a single. So yeah. they're, they're all catchy and they're all, um, they're all really good songs. It's just, it's just funny that uh, it's just the thing I notice and only notice it when I listen to Catfish is the structure of the song. It never, it never yeah. jumps out at me with any other band other than. Yeah, I think apart from apart from Tyrants, the the last song on the balcony, which is which is um, it, it strays from that a little bit, and that and that song was written when Van was fifteen. Which which right. is is incredible in itself. I think when you listen to it now, um, I think I don't think I don't think he is quite on board with the lyrics uh, now because it was one thing. One thing with Van was if if he wrote a song 
and it and the lyrics kind of after a year or two didn't didn't resonate with him anymore he'd sort of sack he'd sack the song off and he'd and he'd write a new one and it, and he didn't have any sort of emotional attachment to songs right um which annoyed me a little bit at times because we had so many great songs that have that have fallen through the net that that a lot of people haven't heard um you know great great songs that really it's like the, it's like Arctic Monkeys now when he when he says that when he plays the first two albums you know live he says that they're not me anymore you know but yeah. he, but he still plays them do you know what I mean he still plays them and and they were still recording and they were still out there for the world to hear and they're still great to a lot of young people now listening or whoever that you know it's still great for me it brings back nostalgia um listening to the first album first two albums but he he would just Van would sack him off before they even got to that point, you know, where you put them on an album. Um, so a lot of people never heard them. But um, one of these songs actually just um, I was uh, one of my favourite songs that I've seen on YouTube. Uh, it's Van doing a cover, uh, doing an acoustic um, ESA. Yeah, that was yeah. that about when you you were in the band. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot of input on writing that song actually in terms of the the melody and things like that. I used a lot of my guitar lines to to use them as the vocal lines, um, as he did with a few on the balcony as well. He, he you know, I'd come out with a guitar line and and then he'd and then he'd say that's too good to be a guitar line. I want I want to use that as the chorus. You know, like well, biz business for instance, business on on um, the balcony. Uh-huh. I wanna make you my business. Da, 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 da. That that was basically my guitar riff, and, right. and that, that was my guitar line. And he said, "That's that's too good to just be a guitar line. I want to make that the chorus. I want to make it my business." <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> so, 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 so he, he used that as the chorus, but, but um, yeah, ASA was one of them as well. So that that was when we recorded the album. That was that was the first. Um, substitute song basically. So that that was it was either that or, and it comes but it comes back to being football fans because we were football fans. We only wanted eleven tracks on the album, so right. 11, eleven tracks, eleven players, you know, like eleven players on the football pitch. Um, so we wouldn't we weren't going to budge from any more than eleven songs on the album. But. For me personally, I would have had I'd have had 13, 14 tracks on there because we yeah, because like, 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 it's like a wee hidden track or something. It should have been. It should have the been. 12th man. It should have been. It should have been. Yeah, like the manager or whatever. Yeah. Um, or subs, subs. But yeah, it, it the um like the Kooks first album is is thirteen. Is it, I think thirteen tracks or fourteen tracks, and they're yeah, all, they're all band, bangers. They're all bangers and. We we had enough tracks to to make thirteen or fourteen tracks that were all bangers on on the first album, but because um, Van had this in his head that he wanted eleven because of eleven, you know, players in a, in a football team, it, one one or two had to, had to be sacrificed, and ASA was sacrificed. I'd like to take the time to thank a couple of truly wonderful human beings 
Firstly, Stevie Moffat has been producing my artwork since day one. He's always supported the podcast and helped out whilst juggling the super cool indie night and running Claremont Colts, a football team for disabled children. Thanks, Stevie. I couldn't do this without you. Secondly, I'd like to thank Stuart Robertson, who manages This Is War. After having the band on the podcast in episode 42, Stuart has become a friend. Over the next few weeks, you'll notice the guests coming on the podcast, and the majority of these guests have been lined up thanks to Stuart. Thanks again, mate. Your contacts are greatly appreciated, and I'd urge you all to go back and listen to episode 42 and check out This Is War wherever you get your music. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, we. So just before we went to, um, we had we signed the, to the to the label Communion in two thousand and thirteen, um, and we didn't really really realize what was going on at that time. We didn't realize that it was going to go to what the levels that it was going to go at. We just we just thought it it was a, it was Ben from Mumford and Sons who who owns the label. Right. Uh, the 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 keyboard player who plays uh, for Mumford and Sons, and he he owned the label, uh, and along with Kev, who who was the one that I spoke about earlier, who told us we need to structure our songs more like singles. Um, he was the one that that saw us uh, at gig in London, and said, I, "I I need to sign you guys, absolutely amazing," and you you hear that a lot as bands, you you know. I want to sign you. Get you know you should be signed to a record label, and you don't really think, oh, these this is going to be it. You know what I mean? It's like when Oasis got signed, they, they were like to Alan McGee, you know, they were, who, who are you kind of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's you don't realize who you're speaking to sometimes. Um, and we just kind of took it with a pinch of salt, and then next thing they they're offering you your contract, and you're like, whoa, this is getting this is pretty serious. So, um, but for a year or so, because the communion were quite a sort of indie label, quite a small label, but you know, I think they'd only really worked with folk acts before, folk artists and stuff like that. So they haven't really taken on a rock band. So it was a bit of they were treading in new water, and uh, but they had kind of like a sub deal with Island Records. So if anything that did kind of take off, they'd let them go to Ireland Records, you know, in the majors, major label. And it was, it's kind of like a, you know, graduating kind of thing. You know, if you, if you, if things start taking off in communion and they can't handle you anymore, they'll, they'll let you off to Ireland Records. But the first album, like The Balcony, is still assigned to communion records. Really? Um, so it's that like natural progression. So it, it was perfect. It was perfect for us as a band because we kind of, for a year or so, were signed to a, a small label and we were still figuring out. And that's when we were touring with Las Vegas. And, you know, we well, we spoke about Las Vegas before we started the podcast. And, yeah, that was an amazing time, touring with Las Vegas. Uh, and, and we learned a hell of a lot on that tour. Um, but, yeah, getting, in, getting into... So we... Then had a gig at Camden Barfly, London Barfly, and um, 
there was about it was it was sold out, and I don't think we'd ever sold out a gig before. We'd only played to, still only played to a few, you know, 30, 40, 50 people, uh, <clears throat> you know, and that was it really. And we sold out. We sold out Barfly, but I think half of them were from the industry, or half of them were from the label that were coming to sign us. And you're looking out there, and you'd, you'd we'd met them all before, but they they wanted to see us for the first time, and that was the first time where you kind of like, oof, you know, you you just looking back at all the sort of people from the Island Records, mm-hmm. and it was ner- it was ner- it was nervous. I was nervous, but you you've done it so many times it's just like muscle memory you just kind of do it and go through the gig and it was we smashed it and ben from Mumford and sons and all that was there at the end and van's dad was there and he was like you've just signed to a major label and stuff so i was still signed on to the to the uh, to job seekers at the time and i had a meeting the next day um <laughs> So you've just gone from that high of signing to, to a major record label to then realising you're still signed on on Job Seekers Allowance. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, we, we drove through the, through the night from London back to London, now, which is about a six-hour drive, just buzzing like no one no one sort of sleeps on the way home. We're all chatting and we're all like excited. Um, and like, you know, this is it. We're, we're on our way now. We're... Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do something massive here, and uh, I go to the meeting, and um, I thought I'll try and milk them for another few more weeks. You know what I mean, I can try and get as much money as I can still. While because we still weren't earning any money, even though we were signed to a major record label, we still weren't on. We still didn't even take a wage then, so oh. we were still skin, even though we'd signed. Um, and the woman, when I got there, she was like, "Right, so um." Because I made up a bit of an excuse why I, why I couldn't go to the last bit. I said that I was at a funeral or something like that, and uh, and she said, "Oh, you you said you were at a funeral on these dates, but I've just checked your Facebook, and it <laughs> says that you were gigging in London or Scotland or wherever it was at the time uh, on this date that you've said you went to you attended a funeral." And it's, I know it's bad for me, but I don't care. Um, so, so I, I was just, uh, yeah, I just, I just, put, I didn't even, say, I didn't even try and think. I just put my hands up and I thought, I've just, I just, I just signed. I didn't say this, but I thought I've just signed a major record label. I said, <laughs> I said, you've caught me, you've caught me, and I just laughed. I was just laughing as she was saying because she kept on reading off, reading off these gig dates and with all these places that I'd said I'd been when I hadn't, and, and she brought up the whole tour. Uh, I was like, how did you know I was in Caption Bottom? She said, well, you're starting to get a bit of a name for yourself around here now because it was only a sunny, small town where I'm from. So I just, I just said, right, okay, you've got me. So I, I, I walked out and signed off, and that was, that was the last, obviously, last time I ever went to the the job seekers allowance. But um, yeah, so from there, it was like then you realise, then you start getting paid a wage, and and it's, you know, it's it's the big the big um big time then and then you're playing the first festival where i ever thought it was kicking off was tea in the park um, right. i missed that festival what a festival that was yeah it's, it's um, totally different and it transmits yeah. no no the same yeah. well we did transmit as well and 
and that was good. We enjoyed that. I think it was in where was that? Was that in Glasgow? I think. Yeah. Um, when we did it in 2014, but the t- we played tea in the park. Uh, the year before was it? Oh no, actually. T- t- no, yeah, the year before, and um, that was when you realised that it was kicking off. Everyone was singing back the singles that we just released. Um, it was just Scottish crowds again. Every, everyone mentions the Scottish crowds, but for me, yeah. like as I'll, I'll repeat it, they 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 they're the best by far. Um, and that was like the moment where we knew things were kicking off. Everyone was singing back Kathleen that we just released, and it was on Radio One, and. Uh, that's when you sort of realise things are taking off then. Um, and then I we did the whole festival season through 2014, massive uh, festivals. And and then I left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you left, you left before the album came out, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, yeah, the album hadn't even come out when I, before, yeah, when I, I left in July and the album came out in September. So how hard is that? Did, like obviously you've you've been involved in all those songs, um, and then for you to leave the band before it comes out, does do you kind of can you still listen to that album? Obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time when I did leave, um, it was uh, it wasn't something that I wanted to happen. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to leave the band. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, I've been asked this question on more times than any question I've ever been asked. Like, you know, I get, I still get asked by people on, in, in the, in my DMs on Instagram and Facebook and all sorts saying, uh, I don't want to cause any sort of trouble. (laughs) Why did you leave Catfish the Bottom? And I'm like, well, if I've not told any, you know, enemy magazines or whatever, then I'm not really going to tell you. Uh, yeah. but no, I, I don't mean that in a in a sort of disrespectful way. It's it's um, it's just one of those things where I don't want to, you know. Yeah, that, that's totally understandable. Something between you and the rest of the band, and yeah, um, things happen. Things happen in the band, and it's not it's nothing that's happened major. It's just things that happen over time. Um, where you where you, you know, I think a lot of the answers of have come from have come in a way from Bob and, and Bondy leaving as well last last year. So um I think people can sort of guess for themselves now where the issues may have have, have been. Yeah. But that's not to take away anything from what happened in the band and, and how much I enjoyed it whilst I was in the band. Um it was a great time and at you know, when I did leave, I was, yeah, I was distraught. Um, I, I didn't pick up the guitar for about two or three months. I, I didn't didn't even touch it, never mind think about playing it. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite a positive person. I'm quite a positive person. I'm not one of those kind of people that, you know, I don't go, oh, I was, oh, I, I was going to whatever, Commit suicide, or whatever. I'm not not that kind of person, but it was a bad. It was a bit of a dark time. Um, it's a um, big part of your life as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you've been doing that for you. You left school, yeah, and and then for it to come to an abrupt end, yeah, it's kind of 
sort of similar to Diddle a Death in a way, just kind of grieving for something. Yeah, but... yeah, it was a bit. My mum, my mum describes it as that little bit because she, I think, she was worse than me. She, she was, uh, she was more grieving for it than me because she knew how much sacrifice put into it. My mum, my mum, sort of remortgaged the house and all sorts just to make sure that she could try and help out where she could. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she, you know, brought up me, me and my brother because my dad passed away when he was when I was eleven. So my mum brought us up from that point on her own. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to go into sort of like sob story shit because that's not that's not me, and I've never been like that. But yeah, um, she 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 put a lot of sacrifice in it, basically, and we did as and I did it. I did being in the band because obviously, like I said, was on job seekers allowance, uh, and it's not like a a thing to say. It's not you're not it's not something you're proud of saying you're you're on job seekers or on the dole or whatever, because. Um, the only reason why we went on that was because the sacrifices you need to make to be the best band mm-hmm. is you need to have time and you need to have time to go and gig and tour. And if you work in a full-time job, you, you you literally can't put all the time and effort into a band that you want. So that's the only reason why I went on the dole. You know what I mean? There's people sort of going on the dole because they just can't be arsed working. But for me, the dole was more like a sort of funding do you know what I mean? I yeah. Used it, I used it as a funding to get where I wanted to be with the band. So it wasn't like I was using the taxpayers' money for, you know, just to sit on my ass all day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I had um, Jack Jones on a couple of episodes ago and he kind of yeah. done the same thing. He he was using yeah. um, dumb allowance um, yeah. for his housing and he was staying, at, he, was, he was living at his van and using that money to, to fund the band. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. That's exactly what we did. I think I think a lot of artists have done that around our age. I think it's a lot more difficult now to get on it. Yeah, um, to get on job seekers now, but um, so it's even harder for bands now that 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 genuinely want to make it, and they're only using job seekers as just the funding for that. Um, but there are there are other ways of getting getting grants out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can sort of go down. We we we've got we've we got a grant the Art Council of Wales, um, for the rice miles when I joined the rice miles after catfish, um, we got a funding for that which I helped with the band, um, to tour because again they were in a position I was starting to earn more money from royalties and things then so I was putting funding into the band myself. Right. And once the balcony sort of had recouped all its costs from you know everything, and it was starting to make money, I was obviously getting paid for that, and I was putting everything into it. I bought my, I bought a tour van, and I was putting all the money into the band. And the band members that were with us at the time, they were all young lads who were like me a few years previous, that were doing exactly what I was, what I was doing before a few years before. Um, so I, I wasn't relying on them to go and get jobs and make, you know, have money and stuff. So I was I was funding it all, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and like, obviously, going back a wee bit then, like, when did you decide, obviously, you said you didn't, you couldn't pick up a guitar for a couple of months after leaving. So 
when did you decide and what was kind of the reason for getting back into music? Well, just just because what else what else am I going to do? You know, I've I've, I've spent eight years, um, eight years of my life working for something, sacrificing, you know, not having a normal job, not having the things that all my mates were having, and for that basically and when it did happen it was kind of you know not taken away from me but whatever you know whatever happened happened so I thought I'm not gonna you know let all that go to waste I'm gonna do what I want to do now and and get back on the horse again and that was all that was all it was really and I started writing songs and I hadn't written songs since the early days of Catfish when I when I mentioned early earlier on about us both writing together so that was when I kind of thought right I can start writing songs again I know I can write songs I, know, I just need to get into the groove and I started getting into a good groove mm-hmm. um, and I sent I sent the songs to the to the guy Kev I still was in touch with Kev who, who was in in charge of the label at Communion um, that had signed Catfish a couple of years previous and I said can you just have a listen to these songs for me and tell me what you think and um, yeah, and he and he said, yeah, they sound great. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm and I'm proud of you for for, for carrying on, and uh, and that gave me a good inspiration to just thought, right, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I know I'm good enough. I know I'm good enough to do it. If he think if he thinks they're good enough, then yeah, and he thought the catfish songs were were great, then and I know I've got something. So it was just regaining that confidence again, because when your confidence has been not like that, then. It's about getting that confidence back and that belief back that you you can yeah. do. But deep down, you you must have knew knew obviously you you'd been there at the start and you got to that level with catfish. You, mm-hmm. you you know you can do that. Yeah, and it's just about doing it again. Yeah. And how did they? How did you go about then getting a band together, or was it just solo stuff to start with? Yeah, I did. I did. I did a tour solo first because I wanted to get my confidence and I want. I wanted to put myself in the deep end and play. You know, it's always harder playing solo gigs because you're. It's just you. You're on your own. You've got no bands to look at and laugh at and 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 enjoy. And you've got no big sound behind you to sort of cover every whatever. You know, just basically blow people's heads off. You've just got an acoustic guitar. You're singing, and it's raw and I thought I'm going to do a month or two touring like that first before I even get a band together and it was great I went out with my brother my brother came with me he was tour managing rodeo for me and um and we did that together and the the response I got back off the, the tracks that I'd I'd written at the time were great everyone was loving the new songs um that I was going to these places and gigging. Um even though they were they were small venues, I'd gone back from like five, we'd sell out four, four, five hundred, six hundred caps just before I left and doing massive festivals then to then going back to you know doing the little hundred cap rooms and and not even filling them kind of thing. So yeah. it was it was going back but it was it was great and I loved it. Um and I was just testing the waters and people were giving me confidence again by saying your voice is great, your songs are great, and it wasn't like obviously 
listening to that and being big headed. It was just like I needed that to get my confidence going again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just needed just needed a little bit of, bit of a booster. So it was nice. And then um, then I thought, right, I need to get a band together because I just miss playing loud music. Um, so I started at the studio with si- Simon Jones from The Verve, the bass player from The Verve. Right. He, um, he owned a studio in Chester, which is only about 45 minutes away from me. Um, and he, he said, um, he said, oh, did you used to be in a band? And I, so I mentioned Catfish, whatever, and he's like, oh, oh, I've heard of them. And then he was like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll help you audition then. I'll help you audition. And I was like, oh, nice one. So he was like, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get people on, but I'll get people down to the studio. I know loads of people. I'll put the adverts out and stuff. So he, he was amazing. He put, he put out some adverts and we got people down to audition, told them a few songs to learn, a few of my new songs or whatever. They learned them and, um, and we had a jam and we got the drummer from that, from them auditions and the bass player. Um, and then the guitarist was a friend with the drummer that we just got. So it all came together really quickly. And, and, and you know, I thank Simon Jones from that, from the verb. He was he was great at that point there when I needed someone. Um, and we rehearsed in his studio then for a good, well, for the, for the whole uh, period of Billy Bibby and the Rice Miles. Um, like I said, I bought a tour van myself because I had enough money then from the from the royalties and, and money that I'd earned from the balcony. And um, and we basically just went on tour for then two or three years. And um we did we didn't we never obviously got to the heights of, of catfish, but we had an amazing time and they were great lads. Absolutely loved being out on tour with them. Um, you know, we played up in Scotland, down in London, played all over the UK, and um and the tracks did well, um, not to the sort of obviously success of Catfish, but you know it was more like a little cult cult band thing, and 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 it and it um, it did well, and I really enjoyed it. And then a couple of the lads from the band they were getting older, and they were they wanted to go to uni and do their own thing, and I just said, well. I said, you know, we haven't made it, made it in terms of made it, financially made it and all what have you. So I said, well, I can't force you to stay or whatever you do. You, you go and do off, off and do what you want to do. So that's when the band kind of, we got a few new members in after that. and But, but it was never really the same after that. Um, so that's when I kind of had a bit of time out from music again. And then, um, and then we started the band called Hague. Uh-huh. Um, which kind of came full circle, really, because I'm from Accrington, and the two lads that I'm now in the band with are from Blackburn, which is only down the road from Accrington. Right. Um. So yeah, I, I did. I did a gig in. Um. I did a gig in Blackburn at, at the Blackburn Rovers Stadium at Ewood Park, and um, the guy who put the gig on was said. I'm, I said um, after the gig, he said, "I'm. I said I'm in a band, and." Um, We've, we've, we're missing, we've, we've just split up and it's just me and the drummer now and the singer and the guitar, the bass player have left. Um, so I said, oh, I said, I said, I'm in the same position. I said, I've just split up with the Rice Miles, um, but I've just got a guitarist with me. He still wants to be, he still wants to do it. So we joined forces, basically, bass and drums on their part and guitar and singing on my, on our part. And um 
and it yeah and we had a few rehearsals together and it was amazing it, you know we just kind of clicked and it, it was brilliant and um we've just gone from there with that so we're still gigging now um and still enjoying it yeah still still enjoying yeah. what we're doing um so, obviously on spotify um yeah. the rise smiles of an album out in 2022 yeah, so, that 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 was that was I put that was from me though. That was that was an so acoustic is that just album. a solo. Yeah, that yeah. was a solo acoustic album that I put out last year. Um, the story behind that was the first producer that we ever had. Uh, his name's Russ, and he he's a local producer around around North Wales. He produced all the early catfish stuff and and a lot of the demos that I mentioned before that that are on YouTube that I didn't put on there, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and um. He unfortunately had a brain aneurysm last year and um and, right. and it was very, very, very serious. Uh he nearly he nearly died. And uh fortunately he had an operation. They managed to, you know, do magical things and, and he's still alive now and he's back back working again after after a year out. That's um, but I'd recorded some stuff with him acoustically and um and i and i had it sitting around and, and waiting for for a while i was we were booked in the studio to finish it off but i couldn't i couldn't finish it off obviously because he was still recovering and i thought i'd I, you know I, I had a program on my laptop and i thought i can just tweak a few little bits i'm obviously not no producer i'm no nowhere near producer as russ but i tried to do do a few little tweaks just to get it to a stage where I thought I was happy to release it. And I thought I'm going to release these songs and 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 I just released it as a, as a solo album, more of sort of like a homage to to him really. And, and that kind of like, you know, I wanted to, to just sort of get it out there and and uh, say we've done these songs together or whatever. Uh, we'll, I, I want to finish the songs properly now with him, now that he's back working again. Um, but it was like, you know, at the time when things weren't great and looking great because he was in a bad way. Um, I just wanted to get them songs out there. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing kind of thing to do, isn't it? Like, is that yeah. some sort of... Um, I'm trying to think of the word. The dedication. It was more yeah. like a dedication to him. You know, it was like, these songs, these songs are for you kind of thing. And they were just raw. Most of them were just raw, but he was such a good he's such a good producer that they they kind of held their own, I think, just just the way they sound, just acoustically and 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 not even mixed or properly mastered. Mm-hmm. So I just I just I just thought I'm gonna put them out there. He's probably he'll probably hate me for it because they're not finished. But <laughs> but um I just thought now nah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put them out there. Um and he's 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 an amazing, amazing bloke best musician I've, I've ever been around like he can play any instrument you can think of he can put 10 harmonies on a vocal track you know what i mean he, he's he's just incredible and should really be a lot more well known than he is but he's, he's a local legend around here and like everybody knows that so you know i think he's happy with that 
What's um, his name? Just so they can. Russ, Russ Hayes. Russ Hayes is called. He he, he owns our Orange Recording Studios in North Wales. Um, but yeah, he's he's a bit of a local legend, and um, yeah, and he 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 recorded the first early catfish stuff, and um, yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad we sort of started with him. He he taught us a lot in terms of recording and how to do the recording process for, with catfish. Yeah, that's really nice. Top, top man. One of the songs I was listening to the album the day, and obviously I was listening to singles the other night when on my way to work. Yeah, and the the one the, the one that stands out to me is "Are You Ready?" Yeah, that that, yeah. that could be that that could be on a catfish album. They bother. I think that's okay. yeah, it's yeah. I think I think that's song. I think that's the most maybe the most catfish one out of the lot actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's put that's one of my personal favorites. Definitely, listening to it on the the. The album, the day as well, it's, it totally changes it as well. The acoustic side as well, but it brings yeah a, on the piano. That's Russ on the piano. Yeah. yeah, that's Russ like, playing the piano. That one, yeah, yeah, it was really, really good. Again, that that was a standout for the album as well yeah. as yeah. singles. Yeah. So obviously, then, then you briefly mentioned Hague. So. Yeah. You've had a few singles hitting this. What's the what's the plans going forward? Um, I I I think we obviously. I mean, we signed we signed to a record label. Um, a few when we first started to an Australian record label. Uh, but things didn't go to plan with that. Um, and I, and then COVID hit, so it was a bit of a nightmare with COVID and all that for a couple of years where we were. Yeah. Not being able to tour properly or whatever so that was a bit of a pain in the ass but um uh yeah we've we've, we've just released a new ep um and that's got four tracks on it so we released that early this year and then um we just want to get out we're just just playing gigs and stuff we're not i mean i'm 33 now the bass players 30, I don't know, 37. Might be older than that. Might be doing him a favour there. And the drummer's, drummer's 33. So we're not we're not like spring chickens, but we, we still love what doing what we're doing. Um, and the moment is just like, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. I think it's just a good, it's just a good vibe. We, we just get, we just get on. We, we all know each other really well. We like, we get each other. There's no like, there's no, um, you know. Would you say there's no pressure? Yeah, there's yeah the pressure. Yeah, the pressure is kind of. I don't know. It's it's one it's one of them things where if 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 something takes off and it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not, you know, the end of the world. I'm just in. We're just enjoying making music and we're enjoying touring. And, and playing gigs to people. You know, we, we played two gigs in one day last week, a few weeks ago in Brighton at the Great Great Escape Festival. Mm-hmm. And just just we just kind of live for things like that, you know, where you're playing played a gig in, in the afternoon at two o'clock and then at ten o'clock we played after James Walsh from Star Sailor. And uh he's he's amazing. And um it was like ram. It was rammed, and people were just going mad. And 
we, we, we always put like one catfish song in a set as well. So everyone's right. mad for that. And um it just just moments like just moments like that we kind of live for. You know what I mean? Just 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 enjoying those moments where people are singing. And it and it might just only be hundred people or two hundred people, but at the, at the same time, you know, that yeah. that that kind of gives us that high and makes us happy for a week or two, do you know what I mean? And then we'll do it, we'll do it again in a few weeks' time. Um it's funny, I was listening to a, a guy, I was listening to Roy Fletcher for uh, the Shed Project today, and he was talking about when he plays gigs, and yeah. again, talking about putting on gigs and losing money and things like that, but he's yeah. like, he says, I would, I'd play the gigs every day and lose money, just for, yeah. the, just for the connection you get when you're up on stage. Yeah. Uh, we, did, we, did, fans. We, we lost, I mean, it's seven, it's a seven hour drive to Brighton for us. And um and we we lost a shitload of money that that because we, we went we went out after it as well and got smashed, <laughs> so we 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 uh we spent a lot of money and petrol, fuel and all that crap. So it was it wasn't it wasn't profitable for us, but we just thought fuck it, we'll do it. You know what I mean? It was a, it was a beautiful weekend weather wise. We just had an absolute blast. And that's all. It, that's all. So that's all it is about for us at the moment. And if you know, if things progress and get bigger and bigger, then they get bigger. But you can never put time. It's the same with the cat with catfish. You know, you you put start putting time frames on things, and you 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 yeah. start get, you start getting edgy, and you're like you don't stop enjoying it in a way. Um, because it was a period during catfish where we'd be like, is there gonna be a, is there gonna be a guy from a record label there at the gig tonight? Do you reckon there's going to be a guy from the record label? And it was it was that conversation every sort of few gigs where we'd be sort of talking about it. Whereas if you're talking about things like that all the time, you just you just you forget why you're doing it. You forget you forget the enjoyment part of it. Um, whereas now we just we just we just do it for what it is. And if someone comes up and says is is hundred k go and record an album, then we'll be like right, Sean, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> But until until that until that time happens, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. So that's an amazing way to look at it, though, isn't it? It's just do it for the enjoyment and see what comes out of it at the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd I'd like to see you up Pearson as well, up, up Glasgow or something like that. Um, yeah, well, we, we were booked in a few weeks ago, but my van after the Brighton gig, um, I've had this van for eight years now at the start start of Rice Miles. And um, it 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 didn't pass its MOT after after we came back from Brighton, and he said the the guy obviously in the garage I've known him for years, and he goes it's not looking good. The van is on its last legs. And he said it's going to cost you a lot <laughs> a lot of money. So I said, I said what what would you suggest? And he said, well, to be honest with you, I think it's time to let it go. <laughs> and I, and I built I built a double bed in the back. I built um. Like, it got a leisure battery for it and stuff, so you can charge your phone and all that sort of stuff when we stay over. And it was just so handy for the band. If we ever didn't have a hotel, we could just stay in the van. Yeah. In the bed there. And you don't realise until it's gone how much you how much you miss it. And um and it and it died just the week before we were supposed to play Edinburgh and Glasgow a couple of weeks ago. That's and um yeah, we were supposed to be playing up at Broadcast on the 2nd of June. Right, that was doing good. That's a great yeah. venue as well. Great venue, it's a great. I played there a few times, 
and um, we hadn't been up to Scotland for about four years, so it, I was I was so looking forward to it. And then the van did that to us, and then it was obviously there's there's a there's a point in 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 it where you kind of go like Brighton it cost us a lot of money to get there, and it's sometimes obviously it's great saying oh you, you can't take uh, we're not bothered about taking no money, but <laughs> sometimes it's like you've got to yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you you've got to outweigh the you got to weigh, weigh the options up and think well. Maybe we should just re reschedule this one for another time where we're not going to lose out hundreds of hundreds of pounds trying to rent vans and or going up with three three vehicles or whatever. So it was uh, it wasn't a viable option, but we'll be we'll be up there soon, definitely. Yeah, I'll be look, I'll be looking into that then for for these coming up. I broadcast would be ideal again. I went to see the Very Paddington cool. sale. Um, yeah, last year. And yeah, I went. I went. A venue like that for. For a band like that, was yeah. that it's the exact setting that you need, man. It, it felt yeah. like been back in um, the early noughties. Felt like yeah. back to that the days. Yeah, it's a cracking venue. It's really good. Um, so obviously we've been on. I don't know. That's nearly an hour and a half or something. Um, <laughs> the last bit of the podcast, obviously, it's got time for heroes, and I asked my guest to pick four heroes to come for dinner. Yeah, um, why you've picked them? Why they're yeah? Why they're your heroes? Um, and what you're going to cook them as well, just to see how good a cook they are, really. Um, obviously they can be dead or alive. They can be musicians. They can be footballers. They can be whatever you want them to be. Um, so just die fire away. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, three things that I love: music, football, and cooking. So cooking for me is like that is my I just I just love I love it. My, I live with my brother, we've got a house together and he um he's great at cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's great at doing the hoovering and I'm a good cook, you know. Um I think I'm um but yeah, so I'd have I mean, this this one's a given because obviously I'm a massive Elvis fan. So Elvis Elvis would be just he'd be at the he'd be at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd be there without a shadow of a doubt. Um, after that, it's quite a difficult, quite difficult. There's quite a few people that I would have there because obviously there's football. Is I like films and stuff. So uh, movies. I love boxing. So there's boxers. Um, I don't like boxing. I, I don't like boxing. After last night, I was um, I got up this morning to see the result of the fight. Uh, Josh Taylor, Scottish boy, was fighting last yeah, night. Yeah, I tried to. I tried to stay up for it, but I, I fell asleep at about half three in the morning. So I literally fell asleep just before they came out. Um, but I recorded it, so I watched it first thing. Did Did you watch it when when you? No, I've not seen it. But I just yeah. seen it get beaten. Yeah, yeah. He, um, yeah, he. He didn't look as good as he has done. Um, so we've I've, I've watched a few of his older fights back recently, and he looked so sharp when he was at that weight. But I think he I think he needs to go up a weight class to be honest. Yeah, I, I think, think he's I think he's in that much time in it as well between fights, hasn't he? Helping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had yeah. He's he's had quite a bit of inactivity, hasn't he? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I wouldn't put Josh Taylor on the table. I don't think. 
if I was, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be one of them that say Muhammad Ali. You know, I, lo- I love. I, I mean, I, I, I admire Muhammad Ali, but I think I'd rather put stick someone on like Joe Frazier or Sonny Liston, and, right. and sit and see what see what they have got to say. You know what I mean? Right, I think, I'll, let you, I'll let you have both of them then, and then yeah. And yeah. then I mean, everyone. I've listened to a few of your podcasts on the on the my journeys in the van and stuff. Thank you. That's um, amazing. Yeah, no, I, I have. I've, I've listened to the Jack Jones one and the This Is War. Uh, this Is War one and and a few others. And a lot of them say John Lennon. Um, I I I would I would say Paul McCartney over John Lennon, and not because I prefer Paul McCartney, but obviously. I think he. I think you get more out of him. Mm-hmm. I think you get more out of him uh, um, as a person. I think he. I think he just. You know, any little sort of secrets and that, or whatever about the band. I think. Yeah. I think you'd. You'd uncover more from him than you would John Lennon. As much yeah. as it'd be amazing. Have you seen the? Have you seen the documentary? Uh, yeah, the get get back one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was all. I've always all my life. I've been John Lennon. John, yeah. John Lennon before Andy, but yeah, watching that documentary, you, you see a different side to Paul McCartney. Some of the the stuff he had to go through, and he basically put that all together himself. Really, uh, he's like the glue. He was like the glue one. He was the glue, yeah, um, in the band really. And and he's yeah, he's he's mega 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 talented person. He he can write, he could write any 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 genre song you wanted. Like you know, he he'd do it. If if you told him to write anything, he'd write it. Um, but he's unbelievable, and I think he's quite a hum- humble person as well. Um, so I'd have him. I mean, I, other mentions I'd have to say Sylvester Stallone. Um, I'm a massive like Rocky fan, Rambo fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd he'd probably get something there, and and Roy Keane as well. I'd love to. I'd love to have Roy Keane at the table somewhere. So. We're getting, we're getting more than four now, but <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I, I like it when, when people don't stick to the rules. I like it more. It's better. So obviously, Roy Keane. Like, we never. You said you were into football. Now we never touched on what team. Yeah, is it is Man United your team? Yeah, United my team. Yeah, because obviously, I, I mean, Roy Keane as well. When your picks ended up at Celtic, yeah, probably. Yeah. He should probably never bother. He should probably no. best retire. Know that he, he just we get six months out of him, and he could tell his knee was done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, what a player! I, I right. love, I love the players. It seemed at that time when Roy Keane was about every team in England had like a, a midfielder like that, like just like a half man. Yes, yeah. you don't see them anymore, and. Like the modern game, you don't see that type of player anymore. No, no, you don't. You don't. I don't think. I don't think it allows for that kind of player at times with the the way people are sort of rolling around on the floor and that. I, I know it started. It started when Roy Keane was was playing, but it's ten times worse now. Um, and you just don't get that attitude from those players like Roy Keane and and. Uh, even like even like you sort of you know you, you obviously Gerrards and Kevin no- Kevin Nolans you know what I mean for Bolton and stuff like that Th- those kind of yeah kind of play they were they they were 
the Roy Keane, but for their own team, just not quite as good as Roy Keane. Do you know what I mean? They were, they were, but they were doing the same kind of thing. So yeah. like like you said, there was there was a player there was a player like that in every team really. Um, but Roy Keane was just sort of like the 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 top of the the crop on the cream of the crop. Um, but he he watching him as well on on ITV and all that pun doing punditry, you could tell he'd be a good he'd yeah be a good laugh to have it have at the dinner party because he he'd say some stuff that would make you laugh. Yeah, but, he, he stands um, up for what he believes and he doesn't take any yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, they are. They like doing Sky Sports and that. He's he's pretty. Yeah, he's brutally honest, isn't he? Brutally honest, which which I like. Um, but I think there's a softer side to him as well, and I think that that uh, Micah Richards has kind of got that out of him a little bit, which is nice to see. Um, but yeah, no, I'd I'd have him Elvis. Um, I'd go I'd go for Joe Fraser, and. Oh, either McCartney or Sylvester Stallone. McCartney, we'll go McCartney. We'll just have them on. We'll, we'll pick them on. Oh. What, what I'm looking at doing, this will be like episode 40 something, 43 or 44. And what I'm planning is once we get to episode 50, I'm going to do like a week table and see who everybody's picked over these 50 episodes. Yeah. Um, so every time somebody Disney picked John Lennon, it makes it a bit more competitive. <laughs> yeah, I think he must be on about twenty-five picks at the moment. So yeah, well, you can see why. You can see why. Obviously, he's, he was such an important figure in in music and just fucking the world in general. But um, yeah, but like I said, for the reasons said before, Paul McCartney for me because of I think I think you get more out of Paul McCartney at a dinner party than you would John Lennon, yeah. uh, and and he's lived. Forty years longer as well, so he's got he's got more to talk about. <laughs> he's got some. Um, the one thing I would say, he's got some questionable fashion choices. See some of the trainers he wears on stage. Oh man, yeah, you yeah. Can tell, you can yeah. tell he, he's he's showing his age with the trainers. He's a, a, an old man's trainers. Is he on the sketches? Uh, I think so. I think he might be getting a deal for Ringo Starr or something because he was. Uh, yeah, Ringo was on the sketches, wasn't he? <laughs> and Jamie Redknapp as well. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen that before. I mean, I mentioned this to the masses. Obviously, Jamie Redknapp putting his name to sketches. I, yeah. I find it hard to believe that he's actually wearing them. That was a weird one. That I don't think he's wearing them at all. That's he's just yeah. cashing in the check there, isn't he? Yeah, he's just cashing in the check. Yeah. So yeah what What would I cook him? Is what you're gonna ask me next, isn't it? Uh-huh. Um. So, if if Elvis is at the table, I'm gonna have to do burgers. Um, which is what I'm going to do once this podcast is finished. I'm going to go and cook some burgers. Um, so yeah, I'd have to do I'd have to do burgers, but that's not that's not really my signature dish. I like to do I like it. I can do a good risotto. Um, I like doing a chili, and I can do a decent Thai red curry as well. Right. But I go I go for burgers. I go for burgers. Because Elvis is in the building. Yeah, he'd, he'd love that as well, wouldn't he? Like, he'd like a nice homemade burger, wouldn't he? These are all the, the, all the meals you were rhyming off as well. My, my missus has taught me to make all them in the last year or so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting quite a dab hand at the risotto. Yeah, the risotto, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a natural You can't just stay away from the pan, though. You need to keep stirring. 
You've, yeah. you've got you've got to commit to it once you do Rosato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Billy, and you've gave us plenty of time tonight. It's been um you've been ace. Uh, before before we go, do, if anybody wants to find you, is there anywhere you want to plug or anything like that? Um yeah, just obviously the band that I'm in now, Hague. Um so that's Hague, same name as the whiskey, H A I G. So yeah, that we're on all social media platforms and Spotify and that we've just got a new EP out, which was only out a few months ago. So go and give that a listen. And um yeah, just stay positive. Enjoy yourselves. Brilliant. Thank Cheers, you very much for coming on the podcast. Cheers, buddy. Thank you for having me, mate. Cheers, Cheers mate. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes pod at gmail.com You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly, enjoy. Enjoy.